0: The Rainmaker Evolution to increase freedom, create momentum, and embrace simplicity in your financial services practice. You're listening to the Rainmaker Evolution podcast with Joel Johnson, certified financial planner, co founder of Johnson Brunetti, author of The Money Map, and leader of the Rainmaker Evolution Mastermind Group. And now, here's Joel. Hi, Joel Johnson here with another Rainmaker Evolution podcast. Once again, uh, just a reminder at the beginning of this podcast, please do not act on any of the things that I talk about without talking to your compliance people first. I, nor Advisors Excel, or anybody else is responsible. You need to do your own compliance. I just realized that last time I recorded a podcast, I was supposed to talk about buying books of business, and uh, I actually said I was gonna talk about that at the beginning and then I never got to that. So we talked about the effectiveness of associate advisors, how to make your associate advisors more effective. Now I wanna to just touch on buying books of business or buying practices, uh, buying financial planning businesses. Uh, I will admit I have never done this. We've looked at several deals. Um, we stopped and decided to not to act on any of them. Um, but let me just talk through uh, some of the things that I believe you should be thinking about uh, if you do this. First of all, the big thing is consider whether you should grow organically or actually purchase a practice. Sometimes it's easier to grow quickly by purchasing practices, but depending on your size and your temperament and your staffing, it may be better to just grow organically. Uh, Many times we underestimate the amount of work and the amount of money it will take to integrate a practice into our practice and um, we also might uh, underestimate uh, the stickiness of the clients and so I think if you can grow by 50 million a year and right now you're you're bringing in, um... fifty million a year then why would you buy a fifty million dollar practice so you're already growing organically at fifty million dollars a year you know how to do that there are isn't any uncertainty about clients or other advisors being involved that you're trying to buy out and so on so uh, I think that 's a question you have to ask i 've answered that question myself if we 're bringing in a hundred million dollars of managed money every single year, we have it down to a system we know how it works, we know exactly the revenue flow we've get, we've get on that i don 't know why I would buy another hundred million dollar practice unless I could really really get at a discount. Um, So think about that. Should you grow organically or not based on your size? Um, You've got to remember that the seller will probably disappoint you. So this is another point I'm talking about here. However the seller presents themselves and is uh, going to help with the transition, Um, the seller will probably disappoint. So don't go into one of these deals um, sort of so excited about the deal that uh, you're blind to the fact that, you may be disappointed and I would I would count on that and so sort of temper anything that you expect temper it downwards Um, once again expect it to be a lot more work than you think transitioning over the clients Uh, anticipate uh, some clients leaving Um, I don't care how sticky the people are Uh, with that old advisor maybe they have a 97 percent retention rate you know ours is over 99 from from year to year um, but anticipate some people leaving. Some people just maybe don't want to sign the paperwork. Uh, some people don't like the disruption. Some people maybe weren't right for the practice in the, in the first place and so maybe that's okay that they leave, but gotta keep this all factored into the price and it's important that you have proper terms. We're not going to talk about the terms here much, um, but it's important you have proper terms where the seller has an incentive and actually a threshold where they have to bring a certain amount of clients over During the process, or they don't get paid um, a certain amount of money, they they sort of lose money for not transitioning everyone over. Um, And then you know another thing is if you've got a fifty million, a hundred million dollar practice, you're buying. What's the anticipated amount of money that you can turn real quickly? If your philosophy is to use annuities as a safe vehicle, maybe it's appropriate, and you should be looking at the books, uh, the actual client accounts that everybody should you know reposition 20 or 30 percent of their assets into something safe that you like better than maybe just uh old bond mutual funds and so if you're buying a hundred million dollar book of business for let's say well i don't know two and a half million uh two million two and a half million dollars and you can take 30 million of that and turn it and get your two and a half million back immediately now you got 70 million in managed money that you can Um, keep getting fees on and so on. So take a look at that. What's the roll percentage? Because I don't think a lot of um, valuation articles that are written in the press talk about the potential for that. And that may or may not be something you want to do. I'm just saying you need to factor it in. I'm obviously not recommending that you do that. Here's a biggie. Do you have a staff to handle the transition. It is going to be more work than you anticipate. I guarantee you that. And you don't want to bury your staff moving a thousand or two thousand accounts. You know, if you're talking about a hundred million dollar practice, you probably have two thousand accounts in there. If the average account is five hundred thousand, you've got two hundred accounts in there. And so, you know, are they going to be able to handle that in a reasonable period of time? Um, You know, do you have a plan to handle the transition? Uh, What we would do, um, if I bought a practice, is I would immediately, with the seller, do big giant client meetings, uh, introducing uh, myself, the seller endorsing it, the seller positioning it as more of a merger than a sale. I think that would be important. And then we would have staff at the back of the room for people to sign the paperwork right there on a group basis without selling anything, without buying anything. We're just going to acat all the assets over. So that's how I would do it because I would think I would be able to get somewhere between 30 and 60 percent of the people to move right at a group meeting like that. We don't have to have individual clients. That's just an idea for you. Again, full disclosure, I've never done this, but one of the deals we looked at, we actually had that type of a plan in place where the selling advisor would be there. We would present it as a merger. And I think that's perfectly honest because the selling advisor is going to be there with you for a year, probably to help you transition. And then you do these big giant group meetings or seminars. Um, should you go after a practice bigger than you? I mean, for us, if we're bringing in a hundred million dollars a year in managed money, I'm not that excited about buying a hundred million dollar practice because uh, I, I'm going to do that next year. I know I'm going to do that next year, bring in that amount in managed money. So, boy, I've, I've got to get you know I've got to be thinking about a two hundred fifty, three hundred, three hundred fifty million dollar practice before I get excited about it so think about that think about the size I've heard a lot of people that you know are big that maybe they're managing 50 60 million dollars and they buy these five and ten million dollar practices and I personally wouldn't be excited about that I think it's more work than it's worth you know I can bring in five million bucks in three weeks um, so I'm not that excited about buying a five or ten million dollar book of business you're kind of buying more of a book of business there. Um, And what we've also learned is when we hire associate advisors and they think they're going to bring these books of business over, um, usually no money comes over but their own family. So, um, you know, I I would just personally get you to think about that. You may not want to um, listen to that advice. You might enjoy buying these small books of business. That might be fine. Um, I'm just personally not excited about it. I've got to buy a practice that's bringing in um, th- that has you know two or three years of what I'm bringing in on my own. And then last but not least, the financing. Where are you going to get the money? And there's basically three ways to do it. Uh, I think you can go out and get a bank loan. There are banks that specialize in buying practices. Um, I would say that's in the same category also as uh, if you're uh, you know, kind of a captive to another RIA. Maybe that RIA would finance the purchase of the practice. Um, you can do self-funding. Um, so I could afford to self-fund a pretty substantial practice, you know, if $150 million, 2% of that's $3 bucks. you know, I, I could use my own money to finance that. Don't know that I'd want to, but that is one option. Or you could do a long installment plan, kind of an earn out with the advisor. They may want something up front, uh, you know, in the case of paying $3 million for a practice, they may want 900 Uh, thousand up front, but then I can do a five-year earn-out on the rest of the money. The advantage for the selling advisor for that is they can schedule that as an installment sale and maybe reduce the taxes over the years, Um, but also you've got, if there's a dispute that comes up two years into it that they didn't transfer enough clients over, you haven't paid them yet. So these are just some thoughts about purchasing a practice. Again, I have never done this. We've looked at three deals and passed on all of them. We find that uh, many times the advisors overvalue their businesses and they overvalue their uh, talent. And again, I guess the main reason we pass is just, uh, again, if I can bring in $100 million of managed money every year, I don't know that I want the hassle of, uh, of, of the unknown. And so a few things to think about. I don't want to discourage you at all. There are people that have grown tremendously by buying books of business or buying uh, businesses. And by the way, many times you buy a business, you don't necessarily make the money. On buying the business, it might take you a while to make the money back, but you make the money because of the talent. You might buy a business because of their talent and their technology. Um, And when I say talent, obviously, I mean people. They might have better people than you have, and you can get some economies of scale. So some thoughts for you. Consult some other people that have been down the road and bought. I think you'll hear some nightmare stories. You'll hear lawsuits that happen two or three years after the fact going one way or the other. And you just need to be aware of all these things. And if I was buying a practice, I would hire great attorneys that have uh, handled at least five deals before. You're going to pay up for them, but you will be happy that you hired those attorneys. So that is it for the Rainmaker Revolution podcast uh, for this time. And uh, sorry, I missed uh, the purchasing of RIA businesses last time, but I think uh, this will be helpful and maybe it was better to break it up into two podcasts. We will see you shortly. Have a great Christmas season or Hanukkah season, whichever it might be and uh, I wish you the best and hope to see a World Series of Sales.